0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat.
2: Westholm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of
1: rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia, and a flavor suited to complement any
2: cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver.
3: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
4: If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at IBM.com slash Assistant. IBM, let's create.
2: Hello and welcome to Savor Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie
1: Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about condensed and
2: evaporated milk. Yes, and it's a doozy. As they say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of just a lot of threads, a lot of stuff to sort out. Um, yeah, we made the mistake where we thought it would be condensed.
1: Hey, oh, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh man, like it's the holidays, like, 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 what are some foods that you work with around the holidays? Maybe condensed, like sweetened, condensed milk, and then. Yeah, you know, it was only... I mean, we didn't have canning until, like, the mid-1800s. So, clearly, the amount of information about canned milk can't be that much information. Forgetting that the second word, the first word was not as operative as the second word, and the second word is milk. (laughs) And everything about the production of milk is nut bar.
2: Yeah. Yes, (laughs) scientific term for it. Um, (laughs) Very, very, very complicated. Oh, my gosh. Um, I will say, like, I don't have too much experience with uh, condensed milk, actually. But I did just have the the pleasure of hanging out with one of my best friends. And she's somebody who gets these ideas in her head and she's going to make it happen. And this is the time of of shortages. So she was having trouble finding condensed milk and a pie crust because she wanted to make a pumpkin pie. She just, we had to have a pumpkin pie. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, scene, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So we went on this journey of the grocery stores. <laughs> Eventually, we found a pie crust and some some condensed milk, and we made it happen, and it was so good. Oh, And, yay. yeah, she, like, showed up with all the makings for it, and <laughs> once again, we played Last Buzz 2, and I cried into my pie, which is just... <laughs> I guess, a thing now, because this is my second time doing that, so.
1: All right. No, I like it. I mean, as as far as things go, like, that's a that, that one sounds pretty good.
2: Yeah, it was good. There's a video of me sobbing into my favorite stuffed animal, my bee. Yeah. <laughs> Just sobbing away <laughs> with some pie. With pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not know this video was being recorded, but oh. I understand why. Well... <laughs> Would you? I'm so serious. Would you please send
1: that to my aura frame?
2: (laughs) Yes, but only because I love you, Lauren.
1: Oh, no. Um uh, mm-hmm. that wasn't like a sp- I mean I get, I get, I guess they I am not sure what day it is. They might still be a paid sponsor. That wasn't a plug, but but y'all we genuinely are enjoying those Heckin' Digital Frames so much. They're so goofy and fun. Um mm-hmm. uh anyway, uh back to pie. <laughs> um <Yes>. I, <laughs> I uh I I I also had an undeniable craving for for Pumpkin pie, and specifically like a pumpkin pie that I make myself uh, a few weeks back. And uh I didn't think that I had any sweetened condensed milk. I did have a can of pumpkin. I did have a pie crust. And so I just went like, okay, well, like how can we make this happen? Um, mm-hmm. and I wound up making this like accidental vegan pumpkin pie because I had like a can of coconut milk, and so I sort of made it work. Um, but uh, I mean, then I found a can of sweetened condensed milk. It was in the baking shelf, not the cooking shelf.
2: Ah. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the pie turned out really good, though. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I also didn't have real eggs. I only had one of those bottles of, like, mung bean concentrate that works oh. like scrambled eggs, which yeah. I actually really like.
2: Uh-huh. Also
1: not a sponsor. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just um just egg i really like it y'all um anyway um yeah but so but so that craving has been sated but now doing this research um i have an upsettingly intense craving for like vietnamese style iced coffee right now Ooh, yeah oh yeah that's good <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and every, oh, man, that or, like, maybe some, like, Thai iced tea. Yes.
2: Both of which, because
1: I don't don't consume that much sugar, y'all, and so every time I do order one of those things, I, like, turn to whoever I'm there with, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, you're going to have to deal with me after I drink (laughs) this. Yep. (laughs) So good, though. It is, it is. Uh, for more on the uh, intricacies of the milk industry, uh, you can see our episode on types of milk. Yep. I didn't look up when we did that. I think it was 20 years ago. I'm not
2: sure. <laughs> I think it must have been. <laughs> uh, I would add on also our, uh, we talked a lot about milk in our expiration dates. Oh, episode.
1: right, because of Al
2: Capone. Because of Al Capone, and of course. Yeah, It's true, but it does sound weird. <laughs> 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 um, okay, but I guess this brings us to our question. I suppose. I suppose. Condensed and evaporated milk. What are they?
1: Well, uh... Condensed and evaporated milks are milks that have been preserved by being condensed or evaporated. Uh... Concentrated? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that is done by removing some of the water content from it. Condensed milk is uh, usually further preserved by adding sugars and is thus often labeled as sweetened condensed milk to, you know, avoid confusion. Um the thing is, is that microbes that make milk spoil generally need water to live. Um, and also don't do all that well around sugar because sugar gloms on to water, uh, making what little is left even less available. Um, also sugar can like straight up mess with microbes, enzymes and DNA and stuff. So, um, so yeah, condensed milk is like sweeter, milkier milk. Uh, Thicker, a little sticky, um, good for use in recipes where you want to add creaminess without adding very much water. And you also want to add sweetness. Um, Sold in cans or tubes or pouches, it can remain shelf stable for years um, and can also be like reconstituted by adding water, uh, maybe for applications like in coffee or tea or again, cooking where you want both creaminess and sweetness. And note that this, yes, is a slightly different product than evaporated milk, sometimes called non-sweetened condensed milk, which is not sweetened. Uh, But okay, so condensed milk, um, generally made from cow milk and like plain old sugar, um, though now there are vegan varieties with coconut milk or other plant-based milks or like fancy ones made with maple sugar. I saw that and now I really want to buy a can. (laughs) Uh, Condensed milk uh, both of these types, are are made with a process called vacuum evaporation, in which you seal a liquid in a container and then lower the pressure in that container. Um, and that's because at very low pressures, the boiling point of water also lowers. So in a vacuum chamber, you can get milk to boil at like 40 to 45 degrees Celsius. That's like 104 to 113 Fahrenheit. Um, so you do that. Uh, some of the water boils off of steam and is collected, leaving you with milk that is concentrated with all the original solids, but only like 40 percent of the original water content. And the cool thing about this is a uh, uh, pun, cool, blah, 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 uh, uh, is that you <laughs> haven't cooked it um, because if you if you boiled the water out of milk at normal air pressure, you would be heating some of the fats and proteins to make them taste different. Um, milk condensed with vacuum evaporation doesn't taste cooked. And, uh, yeah, for condensed milk uh, as a preservation and flavoring agent, you then add sugar, sometimes in the form of lactose, um, which is milk sugar, sometimes in the form of sucrose. It's shelf-stable for like two years. That's a lot longer than fresh milk. (laughs) You you couldn't leave fresh milk out in your cupboard (laughs) for two years. Or, I mean, you could... But I wouldn't oh.
2: recommend drinking it afterwards. <laughs> no, 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 no. That brings to mind two things. One, again, back when we had the video series, oh yeah, we did that video with Joe McCormick. So this was pre our video series, and back when Kristen, oh Connor, yeah. and Ben Bolin were oh, doing man. food stuff. You know, they came. Joe came on, and he did the ghost pepper. He tried a ghost pepper, and then he, he was at his in-laws' house, I think. Uh huh. And they gave him milk when it was clear he was suffering pain, yeah and the milk was spoiled
3: oh no,
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah it wasn't good all around not good um but the other being i we were discussing before i actually used to love milk and i would drink milk all the time i still really like milk but i gave it up uh because i'm a single person living by myself and i just can't drink that much milk before it goes bad
1: yeah, um, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> e- even, even like the small containers yeah. of fresh milk are large, right? For a single mm-hmm. human person, if you're not just downing whole glasses right. of milk like a Jordan <laughs> Peele villain, <laughs> like, <laughs> right,
2: <laughs> right. Yes, that's pretty rare these days for me.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah. Uh, Goodness. All right. So so, yeah. So don't don't do that or do and report back on the results. I'm sure that you could make an interesting cheese that way, Um, but uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, not telling you to do it, not telling you not to. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, uh, evaporated milk, because you are not adding sugar in, um, has to be sterilized. So prior to that vacuum evaporation process, it's going to be pasteurized which means um, exposing it very briefly to very high heat that kills off any bacteria or other microbes that might be in it. Then again, because you're you're not adding sugar, um, uh, some other stabilizer like a like a like a salt of some kind, like a potassium phosphate will usually be added. This is also why evaporated milk is usually like pale tan in color as opposed mm-hmm. to like the creamy white that you get with condensed milk. Um, evaporated milk has a little bit less, uh, shelf stability time, maybe like 15 months instead of two years. Uh, and I will say that these days sweetened condensed milk is also usually pasteurized first because that's just like a thing that we really like doing to milk now. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, see above, re, our types of milk episode and, uh, expiration dates. Right.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, condensed milk shows up in recipes for, yes, custardy pies like pumpkin or key lime, um, in dense candies like fudge or caramel, um, and uh, custardy frozen desserts like ice cream, all of which it helps, yes, stabilize. Um, and uh, the stabilization here is for two reasons. First, uh, dairy can be tricky. Um, the, the 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 fat parts and the water parts in dairy are, are joined in an emulsion, but they can separate out or de-emulsify At real awkward times, um, (laughs) like when you add something acidic, like lime juice to make your delicious key lime pie, um, or when you freeze it, uh, because those different fats and water parts freeze at different temperatures, right? Um, Sugar can also be tricky, because once you've got it in its crystal form, you know, like your normal old bag of, of, of table sugar, it really wants to stay in crystal form. So when you start melting it to make, uh, to make a candy like a fudge or a caramel, just a single errant crystal can make a whole pan of syrup recrystallize. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Who? <laughs> scary. Um, and, <laughs> and it's also, furthermore, not easy to incorporate crystals of sugar into cold things because that, that cold crystal of sugar interacts with that cold thing and it's like all right well we're just chilling literally (laughs) this is the second time I've done this this episode I'm so sorry I keep not meaning to um yeah but you know you've seen this if you've ever been served a a, a glass of unsweetened iced tea and tried to add a packet of sugar to it Mm -hmm. what you get is grains of sugar in the bottom of a glass of iced tea
2: Which, as a kid, I would just spoon, spoon it up, eat it.
1: <laughs> oh sure. Oh yeah. No, I mean, like you can just do that, but, but right, it might not be the intent. <laughs> what you want, right? <laughs> um. So condensed milk, which is this emulsion of fats and water stabilized by liquid sugar, fixes both of those problems. This is why, um, it is used in the aforementioned uh, Vietnamese style iced coffee, a Thai iced tea. Um, I mean, it's, it's used in Vietnamese style hot coffee because it's delicious, but, uh, mm. it's also one of the milks used to soak Trace leches cake, um, along with fresh milk and or cream, um, and, uh, unsweetened evaporated milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it's terrific as a topping or uh, a mix in with shaved ice desserts. One of my favorite things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also an easy starter for dulce de leche, uh, like caramel sauce. Because you, you, can, you can just cook it down in a pan to caramelize and thicken it. Or you can take the whole can and just, just boil it for a few hours. Um, as long as you keep it covered in water.
2: Whoa. Whoa. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel like a wizard every time I do this. It's amazing. Wow. Note, do make sure that you keep the can covered in water. Because yes. if you do not, the pressure differential will make the can explode terrifying
3: yes
2: <laughs> cooking is such a terrifying venture half the time it
1: is <laughs> i love it
2: it's so love scary it <laughs> oh yes
1: uh, um evaporated milk meanwhile is uh, about the consistency of half and half uh, less 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 sticky you know um and uh because it doesn't have sugar in it weird and is uh, often used in uh, circumstances where fresh dairy is unavailable, reconstituted with water. Or in recipes where, yeah, yeah, you want dairy without watering things down too much. Um, or without adding as much fat as you would with another dense dairy product like cream.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, what about the nutrition?
1: Um, Sweetened condensed milk tends to be a densely caloric food, uh, lots of sugars, uh, varying fat levels. You can usually get it with um, uh, non-fat skim or whole milk uh, varieties. So, so, you know, that'll depend. Evaporated milk doesn't have as much sugar, um, good substitute for regular milk. Both do have fats except for the aforementioned non-fat condensed milk um, uh, and protein and a smattering of vitamins and minerals. So, you know, it kind of depends, depends, kind of depends.
2: Kind of depends. Well, we do have some numbers for you. We do. Um,
1: Okay. The global market for sweetened condensed milk was worth as much as $9.9 billion as of 2019 and was expected to be growing over the next seven years. Um, Wow. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that's a separate number from evaporated milk Mm -hmm. because I I saw a different specified report that the the global market for evaporated milk was $5.7 billion in growing. Wow. A lot of canned milk out there, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nestle produces the most, some 17%, which, oh gosh, just thinking about global supply chains, that is a wild amount.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I cannot get any dairy products right now at my local store. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
1: oh, weird.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, let's see. And then, uh, the the biggest global producers, uh, uh, uh country wise of condensed milk as of as of 2014, anyway, were Malaysia, Singapore, and Moldova. Um, followed by the U.S. But uh, because we do have a large dairy industry. But um, but less than two percent of the milk in the United States, um, is evaporated or canned. Today. Huh.
2: Well, that is interesting because in its history, it was extremely, <laughs> extremely popular. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. I don't think I re. I don't
1: think I realized.
2: Yes, um, and we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
3: That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com. Today's episode
1: is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be
2: special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak,
3: Mm -hmm. and I
2: am very eager to share it with my friends.
1: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us a a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their
2: environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E.com slash savor. And we're back, thank you sponsor. Yes, thank you. So as we mentioned. While liquid canned condensed milk is relatively recent, the roots of it date back thousands of years to places like India, where there are records of milk sweets that are kind of, people kind of think, this might be where it started.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, as we've talked about in our episodes about cheeses um, and yogurt, for example, uh, right, people have been trying to preserve milk ever since we've been, you know, collecting milk. Um, mm-hmm. But for thousands of years, fermentation was probably the main preservation method there, followed by boiling down milk and, uh, and adding some kind of sugar. The first modern record we have, though, for a similar product to sweetened condensed milk um, is, as far as I know, um, a patent from England from 1810 for this method of heating milk and sugar together to preserve the mixture. Um, the the holder of which patent did nothing with it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay, cool. <laughs> which was very confusing in the record because future patents refer to it and are mm. like, I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm doing mm. something different.
2: Do my own thing. <laughs> but this guy
1: never did anything with it. I'm like, what were you doing, guy? Anyway, um, uh. <laughs> Around the same time, around the, uh, the, the late 17, early 1800s, um, Frenchman Nicolas Appare was developing canning technology. We've mentioned him and this in a few episodes. Um, Napoleon had put out this reward for anyone who could help preserve foods for his armies. And milk was one of the foods that Appare was working with canning. He would cook it down and bottle it. Um, and it would have tasted like that's exactly what he did. Like, <laughs> right. It, it would have tasted a, like cooked milk. Yeah.
2: Mm
1: -hmm, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The vacuum pan uh, was patented in England for the first time in 1813.
2: Yes, and cans of sweetened condensed milk were introduced in the United States in the 1850s. Um, It was the invention of Gail Borden Jr., who was born in 1801. And early on, he developed an interest in creating products to sustain soldiers, sailors, and people who were settling in America. To that end, condensed milk wasn't the only food product Borden invented. One he was particularly proud of was a quote complete nutrition bar he called a meat biscuit, or possibly a uh,
1: soup bread.
2: Ooh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I saw both. I saw both. Um, but yeah, it was like a like flour and and dried meat kind of kind of cooked into these right protein bars.
2: Yes, and he really put a lot of time and effort into it. It took six years and $60,000 for him to come up with it. But despite positive reviews from Army officials and winning an award at London's Great Exhibition in 1851, the product never really took off because of how it looked and complaints about the taste. Mm. (laughs) Dretts. This left Borden in a lot of debt, but he was not finished. And just to say, Borden wore a lot of hats and had a lot of interest. He spent time working as a surveyor in Texas. He spent time in politics. According to a radio story on NPR, he was also interested in food packaging after hearing about the Donner Party. And I think this NPR story. what Yeah, they called him like the father of modern packaging because he heard this and was like, no. Never again? (laughs) Never again. (laughs) That should never have happened. Wow. Um, But yeah, the meat biscuit was a part of this whole thing. But okay, Bornin was inspired to start experimenting with sterilized milk after a series of stories ran in the U.S. on, quote, swill milk, revealing that a lot of the milk for sale in cities was actually molasses, chalk powder, and vermin. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> yeah. The press wrote, quote, he is reported to have committed himself to finding a safe milk product after witnessing several children die aboard ship after drinking contaminated milk. Now, I've seen a few different versions
1: of this story, but um, and I'm not sure which is correct. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone at this juncture in time is sure which is correct. But, um, mm-hmm. but the story goes that Borden um, was coming back from this great exhibition in London um, where he had won this award for his meat soup bread biscuit. Um, <laughs> mm. um, uh, so he was heading back in 1852, and um there were cows on board the ship um that were that were dairy cows that were there for milk production but the sea got rough for a period and the cows stopped producing milk and um infants on board were going hungry um and maybe 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 one or more died i'm not sure yeah
2: yeah yeah but it, it seems <laughs> there was a the concern about making preserving milk, making it safe. Um, Won't someone something. think of the children? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Essentially. Um, so, Borden opened the first commercial milk condensory in Walcottville, Connecticut, now Torrington, Connecticut. He first applied for a patent for concentration and preservation of milk in 1853, but his request was denied for lack of usefulness and, quote, Lack of novelty. See this earlier 1810 patent?
1: Yeah. Like, I think he was a little defensive about it later. But anyway, please keep going. Yes,
2: yes. Lack of novelty. Patent burn. (laughs) Um, So, using partial vacuum pressure and heat, Borden was able to create one tough milk product with a shelf life of several years. And he was awarded the patent for, quote, improvement in concentration of milk in 1856. According to some sources, the idea to use a vacuum evaporator to preserve the milk came from how the shakers preserve fruit. Like, he went out and kind of talked to them and witnessed this and was like, huh. Yeah, that's how it was reported. I really couldn't find anything beyond that, though. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, I read that, too. Um, in, in this patent, um, he wrote, Like blood, milk is a living fluid. And as soon as drawn from the cow begins to die, change, and decompose, in no other process for concentrating milk with which I am acquainted has any adequate means been adopted to prevent incipient decomposition of the milk and render it preservable and soluble.
2: Wow. That's some dark milk.
1: (laughs) Blood milk is a living fluid. I love this.
2: Begins to die, change, and decompose. He's not wrong, but that's pretty intense.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's like a little bit wrong. Like blood and milk. I b- blood, Oh, sure. Yeah. There, <laughs> there are living cells in blood, and there can be living cells in milk, but it, it, in blood, you want to keep them alive, and in milk, you don't. Um, right. So anyway, um, this patent was actually for unsweetened milk, though. Um, It does explain that the milk is rendered sweeter than fresh milk due to the evaporation process, but that no sugar needs to be added. Um, However, and I spent like four hours tracking the specificities of this down last night. When he got going, he was making sweetened condensed milk. The patent is not for sweetened milk. What he was making wound up being sweetened milk. I suspect because pasteurization wasn't on the scene yet and... It helped preserve it. Also, people like sugar.
2: Oh, yes, they do.
1: <laughs> um. Anyway, if you need to know what was driving Lauren Vogelbaum completely <laughs> wild at like 11 p.m. last night, this is it.
2: <laughs> Sweetened condensed milk. <laughs> um, the cost of the patent meant that Borden had to seek out financial partners in order to start producing this product. However, the factory wasn't very successful at first and was shut down in that first year. Um, Borden didn't give up, though, and opened a second factory nearby in 1857, but it also failed. Still, Borden was determined and found a new investor out of New York named Jeremiah Uh, Milbank. Milbank? (laughs) Milbank? Sorry, I don't know why I said it that way. Why was that my natural <laughs> <laughs> inclination? I, um, I I guess I guess that would be like that. That's like a French
1: enunciation, right? Like bonk. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Maybe. Yeah.
2: Uh, sure. Sure. Well, Jeremiah Milbank or Milbonk is the investor. <laughs> I hope uh, it's one of those. <laughs> um, so supposedly, these
1: two met um, a, another travel story on a train when Borden was traveling to or from D.C. to apply for this patent for his condensed milk.
2: Yes, and together they founded the New York Condensed Milk Company. Um, this was also confusing. The company changed their names a few times over the years, eventually arriving at the name the Borden Company in 1919.
1: In honor of Borden, yes. Um, but but right, they, they opened their first production plant in 1864.
2: And some of their first orders were from the U.S. government. Uh, they used condensed milk to feed Union soldiers during the Civil War. There are a lot of big headlines like, Sweetened condensed milk helps the Union win the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, by this time, it was sold under the name Eagle Brand, and the logo had a patriotic eagle on it. Eagle Brand uh, condensed milk became a household name, and yes, still can find it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. mm mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, d- during the Civil War, it was a very, um, very
1: big, serious uh, part of the war effort. Just one of their plants was producing 300,000 gallons of condensed milk a year during the height of the war.
2: Oof. Oof. mm mm-hmm. uh, The formula and process changed a bit. Um, Evaporating most of the water from the milk, adding some sugar, and then canning the result. The advertising for condensed milk, it really leaned heavily into this, the safety aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a huge deal and something we have discussed. Borden reportedly had a checklist called the Dairyman's Ten Commandments for Farmers in the interest of safety. And I read some funny stories where the farmers were like, I don't appreciate this, but then later, yeah, that was pretty good. It was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty he was pretty intense about it. The product was also, yes, shelf stable. It didn't require refrigeration and thus could be shipped more easily across the country. Which was great because refrigeration, um, as
1: we've talked about in our ICE episode, and maybe somewhere else, maybe a few other places, uh, yeah, yeah, was not um, very commercially viable yet.
2: Yes. Um, So seeing the success of Borden's product, Charles Page, an American consul in Zurich, founded the Anglo-Swiss Condensed Milk Company in 1866 with his brother George in the U.S. learning about Borden's manufacturing process. Um, I'm sure the use of the word learning could be (laughs) contested, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yes. Um, Though the product was ultimately intended for England, it was manufactured in Switzerland, where milk was plentiful. They opened a plant in New York in 1881 and started to directly compete with Borden with their Milkmaid brand. One of their advertisements read, Ours is the original condensed Swiss milk and the best. Every other kind is inferior. I know. Later, this, of course, became Nestle's milkmaid um, when Anglo-Swiss merged with Nestle in 1905. And that's a whole thing. And that's a different story. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, that's a huge,
1: that's a huge story. Um, But but yeah, Nestle, uh, the Nestle brand had also started production of condensed milk. Uh, a, a little bit earlier in like
2: 1878 or so according to nestle's website by 1868 anglo-swiss was selling 374 thousand cartons of condensed milk to the uk and its colonies and that by 1891 they had 12 factories around the world the first canadian condenser opened in 1871 and meanwhile, uh, Louis Pasteur had developed
1: pasteurization in 1864 to make wines stay fresher longer. And then, a little bit later, um, after, after pasteurization, um, one of Anglo-Swiss's employees, a guy by the name of John Baptist Mayenberg, um, suggested that unsweetened condensed milk would be, like, more useful to more people. Um, they did not take him up on it. So he left the company, moved to the United States, and started up the uh, Helvetia Milk Condensing Company with some local dairy farmers. He received a patent for sterilizing milk, cutting the need to add sugar, in 1884, and, uh, and they became the first commercial producer of unsweetened, evaporated milk in 1885. Simultaneously, a grocer in Texas by the name of Eldridge Amos Stewart. Uh, was developing a similar process. Upon finding that Mayenberg held the patent, though, um, the two teamed up to form the Carnation Company. Um, and then they set up in Washington State to sell evaporated milk to gold prospectors heading up north to the Klondike. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, scientific advancements in food processing in the early 1900s, um, allowed for a more dependable product across the board, um, like homogenization, um, in which milk is agitated or pressurized so that the, uh, so that the fat molecules break into smaller pieces and so that it stays emulsified, right? Um, like the cream doesn't separate out and it's, um, therefore like smoother tasting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Canned milk incorporated homogenization like a couple decades earlier than fresh milk, as early as 1909, um, though most fresh milk is homogenized today.
2: And one of the interesting things I found about this topic is that condensed milk, you could just find articles for how did it get popular in this place or how did it get popular in this place. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would love for listeners to write in about your experiences with it because it did. There were these pockets of popularity around the world where it just really took hold. Um, during periods of turmoil or poverty, um, it was a safe product that people could often get their hands on.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, American production of um, of evaporated milk more than doubled um, to feed soldiers during World War One, from like 1914 to
2: 1918. And cans of Nestle condensed milk were introduced in Brazil in 1921, which is... One of the places I hear is very popular. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I used to make a, a oh gosh, I don't
2: have the word in front of me and
1: I'm forgetting it. But but a candy that's like a little bit like fudge. Um, mm-hmm. Please mm-hmm. please to and it's named after oh it's it's something like a it's named after this this brigadier. Oh, <laughs> my, my Portuguese is not so anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cool. Um, meanwhile, uh, fortification of milk with vitamin D was developed in the 1920s. Um, uh, researchers figured out that if you irradiated milk with ultraviolet light, and irradiated sounds like a scary word. It's not. It just means that you expose it to radiation. Radiation isn't always bad. Ultraviolet, ultraviolet light, in this case, causes chemical reactions in the milk that produce vitamin D. Cool. Um, uh, this was being used in fresh milk by 1932, and Carnation um, was the first to incorporate the technology in their evaporated milk, in
2: 1934. Condensed milk was airlifted into Berlin during World War II, and evaporated milk was a big part
1: of the war effort everywhere.
2: Yes, and here's one I wasn't expecting to find this, but after World War II, condensed milk became a highly sought-after product during shortages in the USSR, going on to become an ingredient in many Soviet desserts. An online archive of sources called 17 Moments in Soviet History contains a letter from a prisoner released from the gulag in 1954 that makes mention of condensed milk. Quote, There are a lot of canned foods in the world—meat, fish, fruit, vegetables—but best of all was condensed milk. Of course, there was no sense drinking it with hot water. You had to eat it with a spoon, smear it on bread or swallow it slowly from the can, eat it little by little, watching how the light liquid mass grew yellow and how a small sugar star would stick to the can. Tomorrow, I said, choking from joy, condensed milk. I fell asleep and in my ragged, hungry dreams saw Shestikov's can of condensed milk, a monstrous can with the sky blue label. Enormous and blue as the night sky, the can had a thousand holes punched in it, and the milk seeped out and flowed in a stream as broad as the Milky Way. My hands easily reached the sky, and greedily I drank the thick, sweet, starry milk. Wow. I know. It goes on. That was just oh a, my a segment. Yeah. Very popular. <laughs> Oof
1: i mean, yeah, i I get it. it I mean, it's delicious and especially right, like in a in a time when you have so few so few treats, right. Like you have so little of anything, but especially something that's right, like genuinely pleasurable,
2: right, yeah, yeah. um stepping back a bit to nineteen thirty one Eagle brand offered twenty five dollars for original recipes from customers quote in which Eagle Brand sweetened condensed milk makes cooking quicker, easier, and surer. Over eighty thousand people submitted. Who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Elsie the Borden cow debuted in nineteen thirty-eight.
1: By nineteen fifty-six, evaporated milk was the most sold canned food product in the United States. Um, with enough cans being sold that um, that that like, it's estimated that an average of five thousand were being used every minute.
2: Wow, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot,
1: yeah, um, Carnation brand was family run by the Stewarts until nineteen eighty five which is when Nestle bought them out for three billion dollars.
2: Oh, oh,
1: at the time, it was the largest merger of like a non oil business in history.
2: Wow, um. <laughs>
1: By by that time uh, uh it wasn't just uh the evaporated and condensed milks um Carnation was also making a lot of related products um like coffee mate and instant breakfast um also unrelated products like uh, like tomato paste and Frisky's cat food um huh yeah
2: okay uh Eagle brand started offering low fat and fat free options in 1994 and 1995 respectively i believe a lot of other brands followed suit. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that was after some some amount of kerfuffle. It had been um, uh, whole milk based. Uh, con- condensed milk had been based in whole milk for decades. After um, I think this this like outbreak of rickets in maybe the nineteen twenties, uh, hmm. really got the industry going. Going like you cannot use skim or fat free milk in your condensed milk. What won't you think of the children? <laughs> yeah and they, and they were like oh crap you're right
2: so <laughs> that seems to be a theme mm-hmm. seems to be a theme in this one.
1: Oh, absolutely and that's oh, it's so fascinating it's so fascinating and so infuriating <laughs> doing research like this
2: yes very complicated for us mere food podcasters mere
1: mortals <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Yes, but very, very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy learning about all of this, as, as complex as it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, because that, that is uh, about what we have to say about evaporated and condensed milks today.
2: Yes. But we do have some
1: listener mail for you. And we are going to get into that after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
3: Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's knix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Today's episode
1: is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same,
2: and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends.
1: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive.
2: Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives.
1: The result is wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a quality that would complement
2: whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at Westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E.com slash savor. And we're back. Thank you, Sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listen. Listener Man. Man. Sweet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so today we have two letters from Sheldon. Um, thank you, Sheldon, for writing. Yeah. Sheldon wrote, yes, um, the first letter is about poutine and cheese curds specifically. <laughs> okay. um, so Sheldon wrote, this argument comes up in my family from time to time. My daughter-in-law is from Wisconsin, and I have a Wisconsin Cheesehead t-shirt. I've seen both sides. I've been to (laughs) Wisconsin and I've had cheese curds and deep-fried cheese curds. They're different. I wouldn't say that Canada is noted for cheese curds. It's much more regional. They're extremely popular here in Quebec, home of the poutine, and more eastern parts of Ontario, much less so in the rest of the country. They're made by smallish fromageries. Don't know the English word for that. Um, Cheese factory (laughs) doesn't sound right. Um, Around my area, I can get cheese curds from three different fromageries. The Trapa Fromage, St. Albert, site of the Curd Festival, each August, and Forfar. They all have a different and distinct taste. It's quite easy to tell which is which in a blind taste test. The different tastes come from their unique home bacteria, much like some breweries have their home yeast for brewing beer. And... Thanks for the reminder. The border will be somewhat open next week, and I'm going down for a belated U.S. Thanksgiving to see my sister and brother. You reminded me to bring them some fresh cheese curds. How fresh, you may ask? I'll be picking some up at the fromagerie on my way down. They will have been made that morning. I like to tell my sister that they are so fresh that they were in the cow the day before. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. oh, that sounds so delightful. It
2: does. It does. I do love cheese curds. I do. Yeah. Oh no. I like how you can pick out the the different. You can yeah. tell where they come from. That's interesting.
1: I I want to be able to do that with local cheeses. Heck. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, che- cheese maker. Cheese maker. I think is the English equivalent of uh, fromagerie.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know, but we sh- this is something we should know. Cheese is very important to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have... Yeah, ours doesn't sound as cool in English, no. which is frequently the case of English <laughs> versus French.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so Sheldon followed up <laughs> um, with, with this note on uh, the pronunciation of poutine. I'm in Quebec, where it is pronounced uh, the way the word is, but others pronounce it differently. It's often like this with languages. There's a singer from Quebec whose name is similarly pronounced wrong. Uh, when she was born, Madame Dion pronounced her daughter's name Celine. Uh, kids in school pronounced it Celine. Everyone around pronounced it Celine. But when she got popular in English Canada and the States, everyone pronounced her name Celine. See the similarity? Uh, Celine, Celine, and Putin, Putin. That's how things are when they go from one language to another. How do you pronounce that city in France that's the home of the Eiffel Tower?
2: Well <laughs> oh no. I love this so much. That's
1: a great like I like the similarities. Like, like mnemonic yeah. uh, device too for remembering what it is. Yeah, and, and absolutely, like in English, we
2: say Paris. Yep. <laughs> I mean it's Tour Tour la fel, Tour la fel. This is not Eiffel Tower either. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Eiffel Tower. Yeah, that's not.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I, I did appreciate this note because I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> it is true. It's a great point.
1: Yeah. I also had no, I had no idea. I had no idea about um, Celine Dion. That's
2: why. Now, every time you say it, you're going to. Kind of wonder, kind of stumble. Which one should I go with?
1: (laughs) I will. I will. This is going to change not a whole lot of my discourse, to be honest. But (laughs) you don't talk
2: about Celine (laughs) Celine Dion a lot.
1: Not extremely often.
2: (laughs) Oh well. Sorry, I'm sorry,
1: Celine. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, from all of us. (laughs) Yes,
2: and also welcome and thank you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. And thank you to Sheldon for sending us these messages. Yes. If you would like to email us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on
1: Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents? Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
5: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits